Good evening. The sports weekend dance mix that we're in the middle of, the um, extra long weekend that we're in the middle of as Purdue fans continues on. The dream scenario continues on. Purdue has just beaten IU, not just about an hour ago, I guess, beaten IU in Bloomington to retain the bucket, to win an outright Big Ten West title. Um, and uh, I'm going to talk about it a little bit. Sorry. Um, thanks to our sponsors. Thanks to martinvintage.com. Head over there, grab a t-shirt, grab a sweatshirt. I think they have a sale this weekend on sweatshirts. Um, interboiled at checkout for 15% off. And went on campus. Went in West Lafayette. Went in God's country. Head over to Vine Street. Go to AJ's. Before you go over there, go eataj's.com. Pre-order. Order ahead. Get something you want. Get something you like. Order for a pal. Pay for them. Be generous. It's almost Christmas season after all. Eataj's.com. Um, I'm wearing a shirt my brother made last year for um, for a group of us that that, that uh, watch Purdue football together, that sit together in the stands. He, he makes a shirt every year. I think this may be last year's the year before. Um, but the idea of being grateful for something is something that came up a lot in the postgame presser, and I wanted to address that. Um, we saw a different Jeff Brom. For the last two weeks, we've seen a different Jeff Brom, a Jeff Brom that I like a lot, a Jeff Brom that's more candid, more honest. Um, today, you saw one, uh, I've never seen it. You saw Jeff Brom uh, go to tears, and it wasn't because Purdue won the Big Ten West. It was because he was thankful for what his quarterback had sac sacrificed recently. And I don't know exactly what it is, but I have a feeling I know what it is. I'm not going to publicly talk about it. But if it's what I think it is, I know he's going through the ringer right now. And his performance is guttier than you believe. Um, Coach Brom referenced AOC's family. He talked about things he's going through. And so O'Connell looked flat in the first half especially. He was overthrowing people. He didn't look like himself. And at the end of the game, when Purdue clinched, O'Connell was in tears. It wasn't just about the game, but it's partially about the game. It's about fighting through adversity. It's the things you learn in that process that um, O'Connell had to deal with. The game was not a great game. It was not a beautiful game. It was a great microcosm of the season, really, for Purdue, though. And I'm going to talk a little bit about a scenario and what we're looking at and how great this is. But that first half was an ugly dog of a half. At one point, it looked like Purdue was going to go down 14-3, to maybe in the first quarter. Um, IU's quarterback goes down with a gruesome, pretty gruesome-looking injury. It looks like he, um, to me, if I was guessing, they haven't said yet, looked like he tore his right ACL, non-contact injury. He was just rolling. He was kind of faking and not, not faking his injury, but made a fake fell down violently, and um, all the momentum swung to Purdue. But it really didn't swing the game just yet because in the second quarter, Purdue and IU stood pat. 7-3 to three in the first quarter, 7-3 to three after the second quarter. Jeff Brom's uh, record of play calling in the second quarter that is vanilla or uninspiring and Purdue's inability to execute continued. Uh, this has happened all season, it feels like. I don't have the the stats in front of me, but I know second quarter has just been painful 
for our Boilers this year, especially offensively. The defense did their job to hold a team, I don't care who it is in the modern era, to not scoring at all in a quarter is pretty amazing, especially when your offense is getting off the field so quickly, which Purdue was. Purdue has a, a tendency to, it's a smart thing, they'll, they'll pull Maccabee off for, for a quarter or half a quarter to keep him fresh. And when they took him out of the game, Purdue it really didn't move the ball. At the same time, that was when O'Connell was sailing the ball so badly. And you saw O'Connell come off the field at one point, and Brom uh, looked like he wanted to lay into him. And he kind of chewed a little bit on him, but he didn't do what he used to do to Blau and Sindelar. Then in the post game, I watched Jeff Brom reference AOC and the things he's going through. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I felt like a jerk for thinking, man, Jeff Brom should bench him just for one possession. I don't think O'Connell deserves to be benched, but benching him for a possession, I think it's never bad to use the power of the bench with a quarterback just to let him know, hey, chill, you can do this. Bring in Burton for a little bit, see if you can move the ball, give the defense a chance. Um, Purdue needed something, but they didn't find it in that second quarter at all. Instead, the third quarter was, was pretty dynamic, and Purdue... I just realized I didn't, oh, maybe I did. Um, I hope I uploaded, I put an in, image on this. Uh, I, I put together an image of Purdue clenching the West. I hope I put that on. You guys can tell me if I did. But, um, yeah, Purdue, uh, Purdue found their rhythm in the third quarter and kind of pushed IU out. But they did what they did all year, and then they'd let IU storm right down the field and keep the game close. Felt a bit like that Nebraska game where Purdue pushed out and then let them back, pushed out and then let them back. And the thing wasn't really put away until late in the fourth quarter. Uh, of course, the nail in the coffin was was uh, Travis Trice and Jalen Graham just teaming up on a guy and saying, okay, if you don't want to go down, well, fine, we'll keep you vertical and we're going to get this ball. And they just kind of hammered a guy as the ball was in the air. Trice says in the post game, he caught the ball with his groin and then he went in the end zone. And that's the image I used as my background for uh, the clinching of the Big Ten West Championship. In the postgame, we also got to see uh, Charlie Jones and Devin Maccabee talk. And how blessed, how lucky, however you want to say it, whatever your perspective is, is Purdue for having those two guys this season. Without them, I don't know what the Purdue offense would have looked like. Aiden O'Connell didn't have the season that I was hoping he'd have. But, but, I thought Purdue would have nine wins at the beginning of the season. I documented it. I talked about it a lot, right? Purdue ends up with eight wins and the Big Ten West Championship, which is, I think, if you say nine or ten wins in the Big Ten West Championship, I think that's about as good as you could hope. And if they have nine or ten wins in the Big Ten West Championship, they're probably ranked in, let's say they're nine wins, they're probably ranked in the top 20. If they have ten wins, they're probably ranked in the top 15. And then they'd probably still be playing Michigan in the championship. The one game, if you want to look back on it, the one game that bothers me the most still, the one that, that sticks in my craw, however you want to say it, that Syracuse game because Purdue played Syracuse at the wrong time. Syracuse was hot. Purdue was trying to figure some things out. Purdue played stupid that game. Purdue played inconsistent. Purdue tried to deal that thing away. Um, Purdue meets, met Syracuse at the wrong time. Like the old Gene, Gene Cady uh, adage is not who you play, it's when you play them. And... Purdue loses to Syracuse. If you put that one game there, if we flip that one, that's the one that bothers me more than anything. I know they had other games that were uh, one-possession games the other way. But if you flip that game, then you've got the, the nine-win season and the Big Ten West, almost exactly what I thought. So what I'm, my whole point is, 
this is about perspective. This whole season is about perspective. Sure, this season felt awful at times. Today felt awful at times. Based on what you guys were interacting with me on Twitter, you guys were feeling the same way I was. It was a, it was an uninspiring-looking Purdue team, a team that looked like, hey, we're not playing for anything. We know it's not true. We know they were trying to do it, but IU was also very inspired. Tom Allen is great at pushing emotional buttons with his team. Today was no different. If you watched him leave the field, he was on fire. That's what he does best. That's why, honestly, I've always liked Tom Allen, but I've never thought he'd be, he, I never thought he was that great of a head coach. Um, I think he's going to be back next year. Like I said, his buyout's too big. The really interesting thing, the poor, the, the inability for IU to find the right quarterback was so obvious today because they end the game with the guy who started their season, uh, Blazelik, I can't remember his name is, Basilic, Basilic. But they started the game with a guy who was really dynamic and ran a very, very uh, tough uh, option, read option, where you had to have a man on him all the time. With Basilic in the in the lineup, they were looking to run a very high-paced off offense and pass more, but Basilic is not that good of a passer. He showed it a couple of times. On those long drives, sure, Purdue was given space. Purdue's zone looked super soft. Um Purdue's defense leaves us all with a lot of question marks as they head towards Indianapolis to play Michigan. Let's say that again. Purdue is going to Indianapolis to play Michigan for, for the Big Ten title. How great would it be to knock Michigan out of national title contention? I don't think it's likely at all. I'll say that. I don't think it's likely. I have friends that are Michigan grads. My first boss, uh, my first job, he's a Michigan grad. Um, he lives out in New Hampshire. And he said, if I could, I'd come out and we could watch this game together. I'm like, oh, fat chance, man. I didn't say it to him. I'm not watching this game with a Michigan fan. Sorry. And I couldn't bear to watch this game with an IU fan today. I watched it by myself. I wanted to get to Bloomington. I called five or six people to say, hey, who wants to go with me? Kind of a last-minute thing. I couldn't get anybody to come with me. Weather looked perfect. LBD got to go there. He said he tried to rush the field at the end of the game. IU security and police kept him off. I said, you're not at home. You shouldn't be rushing the field. I'm good on them for stopping you. Funny side note, my wife, uh, her senior year at Purdue, her last semester at Purdue, she rushed the field um, at, uh, was it Memorial Field? Whatever, I don't know what it's called. And um, she was part of the group. I'm not going to implicate her. But she rushed the field. <laughs> she rushed the field back in, what would that be, 1998. 1998. So wouldn't be the first time I doubt had rushed the field after Purdue won a big game uh, at uh, in Bloomington. That would be 90, fall of 97. I think that's it. If you want to check my math, see what Purdue, I think it's fall of 97. Anyway, fall of 97. Fall of 97, fall of 98. Fall of 98, I'm going to say. Shoot, I don't know. Gosh darn it. Old brain. It's right around there. But the whole thing I want you to say is that Purdue fans, sure this season wasn't as uh, beautiful or as steady as we all would have liked. As Anish said on Twitter over and over, um, it'd be nice if Purdue could just do something normal, I think is what he says. You know, like something that you just go to a game, you get a lead, and then you win the game. Yeah, those are nice. Uh, that wasn't in the cards this year for many reasons. Uh, the depth of Purdue's defense showed at times this season. The lack of speed on defense showed at times this season. When Purdue lost Chris Jefferson, it absolutely hurt the defensive back, or defensive backfield. It destroyed them. Let's be real honest. Um, so, yeah, there's some good things and bad things to take away from this season. The big thing I took away 
versus what I thought in the beginning of the season is that this team wasn't as complete as I thought they were coming into the season. That's okay. Uh, they were complete enough to win the much beleaguered Big Ten West. So let's see how they did it. I'll look at the stats really quickly, um, then I'll come back. You got a couple of you guys are on here. Uh, it looks like we're going to just revel. In the, many of you were here last uh, this morning at 2 a.m., 1.30 a.m., talking with me about the Gonzaga game. But let's look at this real quickly. Um, so Purdue beats IU 30-16. They improved to 8-4. It's only the second time, I believe. I think we've talked about this on the Handsome Hour. Second time in the history of the program where Purdue's won back-to-back eight games. And that's why this. That's another reason why this should feel pretty special, Purdue fans. You may be uh, a glass is half... Uh, look at that. A glass is uh, half empty type of guy or girl. <laughs> but you got to look through the prism of reality. Purdue football is like a 51% winner or 55% winner right there to win back-to-back eight-win seasons, have back-to-back eight-and-four seasons as you head to the postseason. That's really big deal. That's really good. And I know the schedule was lighter in some ways, but it was heavier in others. Some of these teams that we thought weren't going to be good at all turned out to be pretty solid. Some of the teams we thought were going to be really great turned out to be pretty great. Penn State turned out to be what we thought they were. Uh, Syracuse turned out to be better than we thought they were. Um, so, I mean, Wisconsin, by the way, I know they, they lost a coach in the process, but Wisconsin played a pretty good season. When you look at it, I think they're still a bowl team. Um, Iowa figured it out. They righted the ship towards the end. They figured out how to move the ball at least a little bit. Granted, when they got down versus Nebraska, it looked like school was out, but they actually made that one interesting. In the grand scope of things, um, Eight and four is pretty damn good. That's my whole point. So eight and four, Purdue wins uh, thirty sixteen. IU falls to four and eight. Um, they are not going to the postseason. I don't think Purdue will be going to New York. That is probably the best thing about winning the eighth game. I think you wouldn't send an eight and four Big Ten West team, best West champ, to New York. I think Purdue played themselves into warm weather. I would sure as hell hope so. In the process of doing so, Aiden O'Connell completed about 62% of his passes. Again, pretty steady. 18 to 29, 290 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Pretty solid. Devin Mockaby, great day, big day. Soap, by the way. So I, I, I always like the, the nickname Mock Truck because it just sounds cool. And Mock Train has actually been trademarked, I'm told, by his family or somebody. Uh, maybe it's my Purdue Sports. I don't know. Maybe they're going to market that. They should. Uh, Mock Train's pretty good. And that was one from high school. That was his nickname. But I love that nickname, Soap. I think it's so good. It's so fitting for the way he runs because he's so unorthodox. His legs are going all directions. He's like a baby deer, right, getting up and trying to figure out how to run. But Soap is so good because it looks like he got him nailed. Somehow he'll fall forward, get three or four yards. Today, 15 carries, 99 yards, uh, a touchdown. So 6.6 yards a carry. That's pretty darn good. Uh, who else? Hayden O'Connell had a keeper that was really noteworthy to me. I think it was almost like some like smelling salts. Jeff Brom called uh, O'Connell's number again to run the ball. IU was not ready. They thought he was going to hand the ball off, and I think he gained 12 or 15 yards on that play, got the first down. Um, also, Charlie Jones, what a godsend we talked about earlier. Four receptions, 143 yards, a touchdown. Uh, just 35.8 yards a catch. That's all right. Uh, probably had the backbreaker for IU, that uh, um, vertical route. I don't know if it was a seam route. I don't know where he started. Um, but O'Connell put it on the money. The defensive back, uh, the safety com- slipped, it looked like. He was completely out of frame. 
and uh, Jones did the rest, just walked in the waltzed in the end zone. Maccabee was the second leading receiver, five yard or five receptions, fifty eight yards, and then Durham had four receptions, thirty nine. Uh, Sawinski started the game with his only catch, 21 yards receiving, and Sheffield had, I think he was thrown at three times. Sheffield had a big catch, though, in the third quarter that kept a drive going. Purdue kind of methodically marched down a couple times, which was pretty darn refreshing. Uh, let's see. OC Brothers leads the team with uh, five tackles. Pretty much a team effort here. Let's see the most uh, solo tackles. Jalen Graham had four. Uh, he had a big pass interference that bothered a lot of us at Big Ten rest continue to amaze me. Um, also, Sanusi Kane had four solo tackles. Let's see. Trice had that big interception. That's kind of all. That's the biggest thing. All day, it looked to me like um, uh, like Sullivan was 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 wreaking some havoc. He had a pretty darn good season. So, uh, but like I said, this this is this is a uh, this is pretty special, pretty special season. Eight and four, and now we wait on. Watching what's going to happen next week in Indianapolis, and then Purdue will get their bowl assignment. So let me look at the comments in the margin. Thanks to everybody who's tuned in live. Thanks to everybody who's uh, watching or listening taped. Really appreciate it. Been a fun weekend, and we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Purdue gets to play Duke tomorrow afternoon, I think at 3.30. I believe it's a 3.30 tip. So it's a second opportunity. I always say this. When you play good teams— when you have high expectations, it's all about opportunity. Purdue has a great opportunity to beat one of the Blue Bloods, to beat their second Blue Blood of the weekend. I don't know if we can call Gonzaga a Blue Blood. I kind of have a hard time with that idea. But the media sure as hell thinks they're a Blue Blood. And they obviously think Duke is maybe the premier basketball program in America. Even without Coach K, they're still Duke. Duke is Duke. They're on TV more than Leave it to Beaver reruns as uh, uh, the old Virginia coach said a long time ago. Um, thanks to my dad for tuning in. I see he is here live. Dad, thanks for watching. Uh, yeah, my dad says he never doubted. And one thing I'm going to give him a tip, a tip of the cap to my dad right now. I haven't done this. I haven't. I didn't text him this or call him after the Gonzaga game. But I have to give him credit. He called something that sounded so outlandish uh, back two months ago, I believe. And he said, I think this Purdue basketball team so let me switch gears for a second i think this purdue basketball team could be better than last year's purdue basketball team and if you think about how asinine that sounds how crazy that sounds uh just saying it since purdue reached number one last year it's ridiculous but let's look at that last season and like i said last night purdue peaked in november last year right they really played their best basketball when they beat was it north carolina villanova or villanova north carolina i believe but they kind of started showing uh, chinks in the armor. They started showing cracks. They weren't playing uh, cohesive basketball in spite of being such a very, very talented group of players. They weren't a great team. This year, the team is a man. The sum is greater. The, the sum is greater than the individual parts. There are great players. Obviously, Edie's great. What we're seeing from Smith is great. We're seeing from a lot of the freshmen and sophomores are great. Gillis, like I said, he's the glue guy. But, man, my dad might look to be a genius if Purdue can grow up like I keep predicting to. Before, before J January, you'll see what this team is going to be. You're going to see him gel even more, I believe. So we're going to see a lot tomorrow, though, too. So um, T-Rick says, remember when IU was going to build itself into a football school? Good times, good times. Yeah, T-Rick, that's not ancient history, is it? That's 2020. That's when the campaign of Nine Windiana became a thing, right? 
on Twitter and other places and on t-shirts and hats. Hashtag 9windiana. 10windiana. Was it 10windiana? It doesn't really matter. They didn't get there. And they're never going to get there. Uh, Brian Hannon says, uh, this has to be the greatest weekend of Purdue sports in our lifetime, especially if we beat Duke tomorrow. Brian, I've been discussing that very idea with my dad and some others via text. And he agrees. He's Purdue class of 1970. And he thinks that this is up there. I said, I think you got to go back to 1980 to talk about what the best weekends are. Anytime you get into the Final Four, for me, that's going to hold a special place, obviously. And we haven't seen that since... 1980. I was five. Um, my dad remembers it better. He, he went to the game in Indianapolis when they got knocked out. And they had a consolation game, which is weird history about the NCAA tournament that used to have a consolation game. How awful would that be? I don't know if my dad went to that. I think he went to the game they got knocked out of. But you go back to 80 and maybe then 67. If you say, when are the, the greatest weekends in Purdue sports? And I say 67 because then I would look at, I don't know what if the weekend, if, if the Rose Bowl was on the weekend when they won. I don't know the answer to that. But beating uh, USC in the Rose Bowl is obviously huge. So this is a special weekend, though. And again, ever grateful. It's in the fight song. It should be uh, something we think about all the time uh, in our lives, but as Purdue fans, too. Ted Berkey says, Boiler Up, enjoy the division champ, uh, champs, 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 champs. Thank you, Nebraska. And of course, we will address the importance of Nebraska in this equation on the next Handsome Hour. I was hoping we might be able to put one together uh, tonight, but that's that's not going to happen, I don't think. Anish is not available. He's visiting family, in-laws, actually. I don't think he has the uh, hardware or the software to, um, I mean, literally, not figuratively, to be able to do a Handsome Hour. I don't know about Jay. I don't know if he's watching, but um, let's see. Uh, John, uh, let's see. John Younger says, I have a bunch of uh, what I think is going, a bunch of what I think is going on. As well. Okay, yeah, you have a hunch. Sorry, I misread. John Younger says he has a hunch of what he thinks is going on with AOC too. Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah, I think I do too. Um, so I don't, I don't want to address it though. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to guess something, somebody's situation. Uh, Ted Berkey says, who wants to be ranked number two <laughs> playing an unranked Purdue? Great point, Ted. Um, I don't think anybody wants to play Purdue when you're ranked in the top five. And hopefully Michigan feels some pressure this week. Uh, that's the best hope Purdue has. The great news for Jim Harbaugh, and I really wanted to – I know Jim Harbaugh is a big, um, a big quick cast listener, a big Purdue postgame listener, a boiled sports fan. Coach Harbaugh, congratulations. You get to play Purdue, not at Michigan, but without those dangerous locker rooms at ross Aid. Hats off to you. What a great week for you that you get to play Purdue and not have to deal with those torture chambers known as the Ross Aid Visitors Locker Room. Jackass. All right. Um, Mark Garrity says, great time to be a Purdue fan. Always is, Mark. Always is. Uh, T Tackle Farms says, Husker fan, congrats, Boilers, and welcome. And you're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tackle Farms. Uh, seriously, that was huge. That was big. And... Feels like very personal. It feels like you did just for us. Appreciate it. Uh, T-Rick says again, Maccabee reminds me of Matt Forte and how he can juke you and run through you and catch the ball in the backfield. Forte's a great, great comparison. You're probably a Bears fan, I'm guessing, if you're saying that. But I think it's a great comparison. And Forte was very unorthodox in his style. There was one uh, shot, if you go back and you watch the game, you probably will, I will, at least the second half, where Maccabee turned the corner coming from the right to the left and they had the camera in the perfect angle. And you can see his vision. It's the one where he had that ma ma that massive cutback, and he scored. Watch his watch his legs, his eyes, and his shoulder pads. The way he he 
probably doesn't get in the right place. They used to always say to me, keep your keep your pads above your feet, I think, especially when it's slick. They don't want you getting too far out to the side. He is way at an angle. Um, and that's part of the reason he's so tough to tackle because you can't tell which way he's going. Um, and he's still able to move forward and uh, move around a little bit. Uh, Sam uh, Bonnet says, Michigan is my second favorite team. Pretty much a perfect sports weekend. Sam, seek help. You can get out of that Michigan thing whenever you want. You can do it. I have faith in you. Uh, Ted Berkey says, uh, who do you want to coach tackle? And that's a, that's a, a good question. Tackle Farms. Keep talking to the people on here. You got some pretty level-headed Purdue fans and some unlevel-headed, but pretty pretty good group here. Nathan Hartman, one of those good guys. Woo team. Uh, Nate sits right behind me and Ross A, which is awesome. He and his boys and his wife. Um, they didn't, like I said, I think I addressed this a couple weeks ago. They they were pretty soft in that one game that felt like it was minus fifty, but it was actually only what twelve degrees wind chill. But his boys didn't come to that game. Uh, let's see. Gatlinburg Bear says now we face. The devil on Sunday. So I, okay, I, I don't have the perspective that I disdain Michigan like I do Ohio State. I really don't hate Michigan like I do Ohio State. Part of, part of that's just association. My job for a long time was up in the state of Michigan. I worked with Michigan grads, alums, whatever. And my first boss was a Michigan alum. I, I don't mind them. Actually, I've, I've been in business with another guy who was a Michigan alum. So I don't hate Michigan like I do Ohio State. I had a roommate that was an Ohio State grad. He's a good guy too. But I've been around a lot of the, uh, whatever you call them, the non-alums from Ohio State, people just from the state of Ohio that adopt Ohio State. They are a different breed. And I know they have them up in Michigan too. In fact, I can think of one right off the top of my head. But there are more of them at Ohio State. And there are also, that place is a d- diploma mill. Uh, so you've got just all sorts of people that don't really care about Ohio State, the group of student athletes. They just care about just winning at any cost. And it shows. And they have for a long time. So I'm pretty happy that it's Michigan for multiple reasons. I'm also happy it's, it's Michigan because I did not want to play C.J. Stroud versus Purdue's defensive backfield as it stands right now. I thought he would absolutely shred and just go through Purdue's defensive backfield. But as we saw versus uh, Iowa, as we saw versus Wisconsin, as we saw versus even Northwestern at times, now nah, Northwestern didn't pass the ball too effectively. But we saw it today versus IU. Purdue's defensive backs as a squad can make a pretty mediocre quarterback look good at times. And so I really didn't want a guy who was a Heisman candidate quarterback who, who could just just cut through Purdue. Instead, Purdue allowed IU's running game to carve him up early in the game and then kind of settled down later. Uh, Joshua Hitt, Hitt uh, says, West Coast Boiler uh, to the Duke game tomorrow. Haven't left the couch all week and so far. Best Thanksgiving ever. You should probably go shower. Uh, go, go, you know, I'm not going to tell you how to live your life, but maybe, maybe working in a shower would be a good thing. Um, yeah. If you're, if you're married, I can already, I've, I've been on the couch a lot this weekend and my wife ran some errands. I didn't help her. So I've been a jerk and I apologize to you, Mrs. BD. I don't know if she can hear me right now. Um, when I say wherever she is, she's actually upstairs. Uh, Nathan Hartman again, uh, Michigan people are better than Buckeyes. Thank you, Nate. I agree. Um, Let's see. T-Rick, my, my daughter asked why so many people don't like Ohio State, and I said it's because of their fans. I told her uh, Michigan and even Alabama fans aren't as bad as Ohio State fans. Uh, part of this is re- a regional problem. Wow. <laughs> I just noticed something. Part of this is a regional problem. When you're a Midwesterner, you have to deal with Ohio State fans more um, than you do all Alabama fans or 
maybe USC fans or uh, Florida, Florida State, whoever, Texas A&M. Uh, our very own uh, Michael here at Boiled Sports, he lives down in Texas A&M country now, and he says they're pretty unbearable. But we have to deal with Ohio State fans quite a bit, and they are a tough friend. Look at that. We've got porn bots in the margins. We've had this a couple times. I think that means we reach a threshold. We're very, very successful. So welcome porn bots. Dagnabbit. Sorry that they're on there. Uh, Ancient Astronaut says, I'm drinking a few extra beers tonight. Ancient Astronaut, you've earned it. You work so hard. Congratulations. I'm at nearly 30 minutes. I'm going to call that an evening, but congratulations to you, Boiler Faithful, who are the real ones. Uh, Handel Jones, my pal, says, just give me a woo! And I say, thank you, doctor. Um, Big, big weekend for us so far and still. There is one more chance to make it even bigger. And it's already good. And if Purdue doesn't win, it's already good. Let's look at let's keep it on on the, the positive. What a weekend. What an opportunity for it to be even a greater weekend. Tomorrow, 3:30 tip off. Duke and Purdue from Portland, Oregon, of course. Makes a lot of sense if you just put those things together. Makes no sense. Um, but what a great, what a great weekend. And thanks again to Nebraska. Uh, thanks again to uh to you for tuning in. Hammer down. God bless you. Have a great Saturday evening. There's still time to go watch more football. Plenty of time to root against Notre Dame. Go do it. We'll see you.